fighting, hatred, fear. Had enough of the noise? so much for listening. I'm your host, Dr. Henry Ely, and each show we begin with gratitude. So I want to say thank you to you for sharing Energetic Health Radio and my This Week in COVID research articles. Can't wait till we can start changing that up and doing some different articles for you as well, especially on natural healing, right? I mean, I think that's really where we're going to be moving. But of course, you'll be able to get these on the America Out Loud network. And of course, there's a bunch of great you know, folks like Dr. Peter McCullough and uh, so many others who are sharing information from the heart for the betterment of all. So thank you for all of your support. It really means the world to me and to us. Uh, If you're ready for another great show, so am I. So let's go to work. Now, today's show is going to be a little bit of a challenge. I'm going to tell you. All right. We um, have some special guests, uh, Stephanie DeGarry, mother of Maddie DeGarry, who was severely injured during the Pfizer clinical trial by the experimental COVID shots, right? And unfortunately, she is now currently confined to a wheelchair and a, a feeding tube, right? Um, we also have special guest Amanda Damien with us, a mama bear paralyzed uh, by the Moderna experimental shot. Uh, and now she's recovered and she's able to use her body again, which is, you know, blessing from God. Uh, but she lives her life in daily pain, but it doesn't stop her from making a difference. Just like um, what's going on with Maddie and with Stephanie, it doesn't stop either of them from making a difference as well. And I'm going to let Stephanie tell uh, that story. So we're going to listen to their stories, the, the nightmares that so often get lost in all of these numbers. But I want you to be clear, these are real people and they need real help, help that our government refuses to provide. So we're going to give you some opportunities to help them as well. Our question of the day is real simple. How would you feel if your child was severely injured by the experimental COVID shot or any vaccine? What would you do if your government refused to admit your child was injured by the experimental shot and then turned their back on you as well when you needed help the most? No help, completely desperate, and you're all on your own. What would you do? How would you feel? These are the stories getting canceled, getting censored, that aren't getting out there so that we understand there's far more going on than the numbers that are being reported. Every number has a story. And we're going to tell you two of those stories today, right after these messages. Energetic Health Radio is sponsored by the Energetic Health Institute, an amazing school for amazing people just like you, ready to take control of your health. At EHI, we have many ways for you to tap into the power you already possess, heal what hurts as you learn scientifically supported healing arts skills that you'll be able to use for a lifetime. We all want change in our world, so let that change begin with you starting from the inside out. We have a great energetic cleansing program 
that is underway. If you want to enroll, we still have spaces available uh, for the next week. Uh, learn how to confidently use bentonite clay, psyllium, therapeutic levels of nutrients and wonderful herbs to help heal your amazing body. Learn how your body is designed to work so you can truly take care of yourself. Learn how to feel amazing all over again, or perhaps for the very first time. Your body is designed to heal. It's fantastic at healing and cleansing will help you put in put yourself in the position to heal. So go to Energetic Health institute.org and check out our online and interactive energetic cleansing certification. Um, classes begin, like we said, March 11th. So that would be yesterday or a few days before this, depending on when you're listening, but they run throughout the year. This is definitely a healing skill you'll want to have. And we'll be right back with more energetic health radio right after these messages. As Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Well, today we're joined by special guest Stephanie DeGarry, mother of Maddie DeGarry. And I'm sure you've heard that story, right? She's the she's the teenager. I keep wanting to say little girl because I'm a dad, you know, but she's a teen uh, who was injured during the Pfizer clinical trials. She spoke at uh, Senator Ron Johnson's Capitol Hill, uh, Hill testimony. Um, and uh, just, you know, I think to me is is really the 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 spokes girl for for what's going on you know like this is this is something this is a situation this is a story we cannot ignore and we cannot pretend uh didn't happen uh we're also joined by amanda damien founder of uh, react19.org and i gotta say both of these incredible mama bears have been relentless in their fight to protect all children from the experimental covid gene therapies i'm not calling them a vaccine anymore just so you're all on the same page with me uh, because they're not. Um, and, you know, one of the things they've also been doing is working to make sure that there is financial support and real medical help finally for this growing community of uh, injured children and injured parents. And I just have such an incredible amount of admiration and, and respect for you both. Um, it's an honor to have you both here. Uh, Stephanie, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, tired. Um, but optimistic. And thank you for having us on. Amen. Amen. And uh, Amanda, how about yourself? How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for this opportunity. I'm happy to be here. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, let's jump right in because I I think the story, just in case people haven't heard it, and maybe there's some things we we haven't heard yet. I want to make sure that listeners get a chance to have that. Stephanie, you know, you've been through a nightmare that no parent should ever have to go through. I mean, you, you, you trusted people you should have been able to trust, right? Um, what can you tell us about um, Maddie's injury and, and how it happened? Um, so all three of my kids participated in the Pfizer COVID vaccine trial at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they wanted to participate because I mean, I, so let me take a step back. I was one of those moms, like a lot of the moms out there whose kids have not had a reaction to any vaccine. My kids had every single vaccine they were supposed to have. They got the flu shot every year. Same with us. So I trusted the government and I trusted um, the medical professionals that they were telling the truth and the pharmaceutical company. Um, And so for me in my head, this was like an opportunity for them to get be protected early. Um, They had actually asked to participate in it. They found out my one son found out about the trial from another friend who's was in the trial and his mom actually was in the trial for adults. So Mm -hmm. for in my my head, there was low risk with this. Mm -hmm. There was only good that could come from it. So um, all three of my kids got their first vaccine and none of them had any, they had the typical reaction. Actually, two of them had the typical reaction. The one um, who ended up getting placebo um, had zero. So we pretty much knew right off the bat who got it and who didn't. Um, so my oldest son ended up getting COVID after he got the first dose. So for the trial, if that happened, they didn't give you the second dose. So they still follow him, um, but he didn't get the second dose. Um, so Maddie and my middle son got their second dose on January 20th. Um, and one, so after she got that one, the first thing she said to me when I saw her, cause my, my husband took them, um, was that really hurt way worse than the first one? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's weird thinking, okay, you tensed your, you know, you tensed your muscles. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they say, when you get the flu shot, um, she came into our room in the middle of the night and she's like, she never does this. And, and, and she's like, can I sleep with you? I don't, something's not right. I don't feel right. Um, and she slipped in between us. Like it's, it's very weird, but I was like, okay, maybe she just, you know, doesn't feel right. I didn't, it was weird, but I kind of passed it off in the morning. I'm like, you don't have to go to school if you don't want to. I'm like, if you, you know, knowing that there could be, you know, you could have, you know, the normal side effects that they had told us, which is where you'd have, a, you could have a fever, what, basically what had happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said, no, I want to go to school. Um, she hates missing school because she doesn't want to have to make up the work. Very um, right. day student. School's very important to her. Um, so I went to work. My husband works from home. She got off the bus, walked in the door, dropped her bag and um this is my husband was at home i was at work um and she was not good like she could barely even move um so he calls me and he says maddie's having some type of reaction to the vaccine he's like i already called the trial line because that's what we're instructed to do she had had like zap like electrical shocks up and down her spine she had severe abdominal pain like excruciating where she was like hunched over her fingers were white um and cold like ice cold and her toes she when my husband called me i hear in the background she's like mom mom my heart my heart it feels like my heart's being ripped out through my neck so i that i can't like i can't get that out of my head the very next day right stephanie this is the very next day less than 24 hours yeah yes because she had they had this second dose at like around five five thirty like later on in the day mm-hmm. now um now once that once that occurred um at this point it sounds like she was still able to walk barely she was walking on her heels with her toes uh-huh. up her toes hurt like everything hurt 
So she was walking, she was like bent over and her toes were up. We couldn't put shoes on her. Um, she couldn't, she couldn't, she couldn't lay on her back. Like, like when I walked into the room, it was, it was scary when I got home because I immediately left. Um, and then they, so they actually called us back. They said, oh, we'll call you back. So they called back and they said that we needed, they wanted us to go to the ER, which we would have no matter what, but they wanted us to go to Cincinnati Children's. So we've never had to take our kids to the ER here ever. But even at other places that we lived at one time, because my son got needed stitches. Never. We never, we ne- like never. So they wanted us to take her to Cincinnati Children's. They said it would be easier in terms of them being able to communicate in terms of, you know, the compensation and not having to pay for the hospital bills. Um, so we're like, okay, so it was further away. We did it. And we, they, they went there, they did an ultrasound, they were checked for appendicitis, which it wasn't an appendicitis. They gave her um, an IV, did like minimal blood tests, I think a renal, a renal profile, mm-hmm. the ultrasound, and gave her IV fluids, Zofran, because she was very nauseous, um, and pain medicine. And the IV, for whatever reason, and, and the zoo, like that helped her the first time, like it kind of calmed her body down. Mm-hmm. But by the time she got home within an hour of being home, it like, it's like it went, it all went right back up again. But wait a minute. So, they, they released her. They, they didn't oh, keep yeah. her for observation overnight. Nope. Nope. Send her home. Wow. Her so, home. so now, you know, we, we've heard some nightmare stories. I mean, I've heard more nightmare stories of experiences in, in hospitals in over the last two years than I've ever heard in my entire medical career. And I've heard quite a few in my, in my medical career. Um, Stephanie, what, what was the, what, what has the experience been like for you as a mom going through the current medical system as you're attempting to get help for Maddie? So I'll first say that this, the trial did not happen the way I thought it would. I thought case scenario, if anything happens, they're going to like this. That's the best time for something to happen. They're going to investigate her or whoever. Mm-hmm. And, and that's like where they try to figure things out. They're going to like have the best of the best. Like they'll fi- they'll keep trying till they figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's not what happened. We have been, I never knew what gaslighting was until now. Mm-hmm. They made her and me feel like we were crazy. Like it was all because of anxiety. It, it, it was all, everything that was happening to her was from anxiety. And you don't even realize that it's happening when they do it. They did minimal testing. Um, I mean, she was in, she was went to the ER between now, between then and now, she's been to the ER 10 times and admitted to the hospital four times for over a total of over two months being hospitalized. But, but they, it doesn't and, sound like they were doing a lot of thorough no, investigation. Or no, no, the longest time was for rehab. And they thought she would be there for, it was for inpatient rehab, like physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, mm-hmm. uh, all of that. Like you're basically having it twice a day, like intensive. They thought she, they told us she'll be there for two weeks and she would walk out walking, leave walking. She did not leave walking. She was able to walk with a walker mm-hmm. when we left there and they transported her to the mental institution where they- Wait, lied what? To- wait a minute, wait a yeah. minute. 
how did you get, how do you get from, this is a injury caused by the experimental gene therapy to she's in a menstrual institution. How did that happen? Because they could not help her with the, from her speech, from the uh, swallowing. She still, so when she was admitted in April, um, which was in to the, the intensive inpatient um, mm-hmm. therapy, rehabilitation, that's when they um, gave her an NG tube because she could not, like, by the time we got there, she could not swallow. We begged them. We're like, we're not coming to the ER unless you promise us you're going to admit her because we kept going to the ER and they would treat her like she was crazy. I mean, we heard one time my husband was with her and he heard them talking out in the hallway. Same wow. things. Oh, here she is again. Yeah. So yes. now just, just so the audience has an understanding of this, before um, Maddie entered into the uh, clinical trials, mm-hmm. did she have any history of, uh, of psychological issues? Did she mm-hmm. have any, anything like that required hospitalization for psychological issues? Mm-hmm. She had ADHD and she was taking Vyvanse. She only took it during school days, her choice, um, and which runs in her family. And then she um, had um, she had a 508 for state testing. So like whenever there was state testing, she could have more time. Okay, I work in a school and I'm telling you, more than half of the students have a plan where mm-hmm. I could be saying the wrong thing because I'm not thinking straight, but more than half of the students have like a plan where they get extra time because the teach this is all about funding these testing. So the teachers get anxious because it's like affects the funding, which the students then realize that the teachers are anxious and there's a lot of pressure on them. So a lot of them, like it causes test anxiety. That is the closest thing to anxiety that she had. Wow. So it sounds to me like Maddie's hurt and the, the, the people at the hospital, the, the doctors and nurses at the hospital are trying to make it her fault and trying to say yes. that, that this is in her head, you know, that, yeah. that, wow. Okay. Yes. Um, couldn't, oh my goodness. Um, so uh, before we go to Amanda, just real, real quick, what is Maddie facing today? So everyone can get a picture of, of what she's going through. I know she's, pretty much bound to a wheelchair now, but what, can you give people a picture of, 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 you know, what Maddie goes through on a daily basis for, you know, just what she's dealing with in terms of her health now as a result of, of this clinical trial failure? So I, I want to just note, so when she left there, she could walk with a walker. She had an MRI with contrast after I stopped the admission into the mental institution. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she had had a reaction to the first time she had contrast, they told us it was from the anesthesia, Mm -hmm. um, and changed the anesthesia the second time. So when she woke up from that, she had no more control of her neck, which makes it hard to walk. So she is permanently in a wheelchair now. She was from, it's been since February. She's been numb from her lower waist down. So since, since February of 22, 21. Of 21. So for over a year, she's been numb from the waist down. Yes. Yes. It's kind of like when you, like your legs fall asleep, you can, you could stand up, your legs feel like they're 9,000 pounds, but you can move them. They, you know, they kind of drag. You, you just, you feel like they're not connected to you. So it may, so whatever happened with the contrast made her worse. So I just wanted to explain the being able to walk with a walker 
She mm-hmm. had to hold on to a walker. She would drop to the ground. I'm assuming because of the pots. She she said the room would spin and she couldn't let go of it. Um, so today she has issues with controlling her neck. Mm-hmm. She cannot transfer herself from her wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I have to help her with showers. I I mean, she can't do anything on her own. This is like Miss Independent, like mm-hmm. seriously, to she has to ask somebody to help her with every little thing she does, putting her pants on putting her socks on, all of this. Um, She has an NG tube. Um, She has constant stomach pain. She's had an NG tube since April. From what I have learned, um, you should not have an NG tube that long. Um, Yeah. She has no PT or OT. Really, the only option around here is Cincinnati Children's. And I I don't trust them. Um, so she's, she's progressively getting worse. It's like something that's going on in her body. I don't know if it's the formula. I I don't know. Nobody's been able to help us. All I can tell you is like, everything keeps getting worse. She's in more pain, constant pain with her back, her neck. She goes to school for an hour and a half a day, two hours max. She went from being a straight A honors student to that she can't see she has tinnitus um her memory like cognition issues Mm -hmm. she's not well like i i i have to i have to ask you this stephanie um because you know what you're describing is just um gut-wrenching you know I have to ask you this, and then we're going to take a break, and we'll we'll come right back uh, after some a break with uh, with Amanda Damien's uh, story as well. And but I have to ask you, you know, how do you feel, and what are you thinking, what are you feeling as this is happening? I wish I could go back in time and change it, but I can't, and I'm mad because I've. It's taken forever to be able to find her help. Nobody would help her. Like, I try, I try, I have long calls every night. I just keep talking because they don't want other kids to get hurt. And I, I need people to hear her story so somebody will help her. And you finally came. Like, the, last month, I like, I was scared. The last time she was hospitalized, I was scared. I'm like, this is never going to end. Like before, I was always optimistic. And it's tiring. You know, you work a full-time job and you come back. And I I just, I feel like I failed her. One thing I'm going to say before we go to break is that um, you haven't failed her. Um, I, I, I think that what, where the failure lies is the failure of the um, manufacturer, the dream therapy manufacturers to tell the truth, the failure of the government to verify that it is indeed safe and, um, and for a clinical trial. And um, you should, as a parent, be able to trust these entities. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's terrible the situation that you all are in as a family and that Maddie's in physically and, and emotionally as well. And, um, you know, I, I, I just want to send you a lot of love because this sucks. 
and it didn't have to happen. And this is why we have to stay together and embrace each other, I think, to make sure that we're doing everything we can, not just to prevent kids from this experience, but for the kids and the parents who've been hurt, um, that we are doing everything we can. If our government isn't going to step in and do the right thing, then we as private citizens have to step in and do the right thing and figure this out. You know, um, there's so much at stake here, but the most of which is is a young life. You know, and if and to me, I'm I value that, and I know every pe- everybody out there listening values that. So we appreciate you having the strength and courage to share this story yet again. Um, and I think it's an appropriate time for us to uh, take a short break for commercials and come back with uh, Amanda Damien. Um, as you can probably tell, this is. This is a hard listen, folks, but it's a, a listen that we all have to have because these stories, we need to make them a part of us so that they stop happening and never happen again. We'll be right back with more Energetic Health Radio and Amanda Damien right after these messages. Along with a healthy immune system, clean air is vital for optimal health. According to the EPA, we spend 90% of our time indoors, where germs are most concentrated. It's essential to clean indoor air. Genesis is the only technology that quickly, safely, and effectively kills pathogens both in the air and on surfaces in seconds, reducing the viral load in any environment. The powerful, well-built Genesis Fogger produces a dry, ultra-fine mist using HOCL, which occurs naturally in our own immune systems. We'll be living with airborne diseases in the future. New viruses and antibiotic-resistant superbugs are no problem for Genesis. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Visit genesisfogger.com. America Out Loud listeners receive a 15% discount with promo code OUTLOUD at genesisfogger.com slash outloud. Okay, everyone. Well, welcome back. And a powerful segment with uh, Stephanie DeGarry, um, just the courage that it must take um, to soldier on every day um, is, uh, is unimaginable. Um, and, but we're going to give you some opportunities to support them and what they're doing. Um, and at the very end, uh, because that's the whole thing. It's not just about awareness. It's about us coming together to make sure we're supporting these families, supporting these kids. And now uh, I'm going to bring on Amanda Damien. Um, and the thing about Amanda is now we're going to see this from a parental side. Uh, where a parent has been injured, and maybe she'll talk with us a little bit about the impact on her children that when mommy's hurt, you know, when a mama bear's hurt. Um, so, uh, Amanda, you know, uh, many people, first of all, don't know that you were the driving force behind defeat the mandates in Washington, D.C. I heard that there was one woman that really kind of put it all together. And of course, it wasn't just one, it's there's there's a team, but I really heard that there was one person that really was the driving force and it was so nice to finally meet you. So I want to say thank you for everything you did with that because that was a historic day. And and what really blew my mind was when I got to meet you and I found out that you did all of that while dealing with your own injury from one of the COVID gene therapy shots. Uh, So what can you tell us about your injury and how it happened? 
Yeah. You know, the defeat, the mandates was quite the feat. And I, I have to tell you and be honest, I'm a faithful person. And I, I really don't know how all that happened, but I believe in God and I gave it to him and he gave mm -hmm. me the strength I needed to get through that. And I'm just so thrilled we were able to make that happen. Amen. So I am coming up almost two days from now. I am reaching my one year mark of receiving the Moderna vaccine. I received mm -hmm. it on March 11th. Mm -hmm. um, immediately within three minutes, I started to have tingling in my throat and in my chest. I didn't, I thought, you know, this is, this is a weird feeling. It's not that big of a deal. I waited the 30 minutes and I got myself home. And by about the hour mark, I started to notice my heart started racing. Then I started having pain all over my body. I the back pain and the abdominal pain was just absolutely excruciating. And I kept telling myself, oh, this is just what they said was going to be normal aches and pains. And I kept trying to wait it out. And by, you know, overnight, um, I got really bad. I, I put a pulse ox on my finger and my heart rate was in the one nineties. And I went to my husband and I said, I, I can't do this anymore. Something's really wrong. And so he took me over into the ER and you know, the very first doctor I saw there, he wasn't surprised to see me. And that was my first warning sign. I was like, he told me that I was the fifth person there that had been into the ER on his shift um, that he had seen post vaccine. And I was early, you know, it hadn't been rolled out to the public yet. And so, you know, I said, you know, is this common? Are you seeing that? And he had told me he had seen strokes, all kinds of things. And so they did a normal workup. They did an, a chest x-ray. They filled me you know, two bags of fluid, got my heart rate down, um, said, there's clearly something going on your EKG, your heart rhythm was okay. Um, so we need to keep you hydrated and, um, really we have no idea what this is. So they sent me home. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. We have no idea what this is. So rather than admitting you and saying, we're going to keep you under observation. So in case something happens unexpected, we're going to send you home where there's no care for you. Is that what happened? That's exactly what happened. Thank God, that's a, that's a violation of medical ethics right there. It's a clear, it's clearly immoral and unethical to do that when you, anyway, let me not interrupt. Tell us more what, yes. about the injury and what happened. So I go home, symptoms progressed into, you know, the second week I started getting a rash all over my neck. I was getting mm -hmm. fevers, you know, the symptoms just started going on. The, the neurological symptoms started to bloom out where I was getting these facial spasming muscle twitches that were, you know, kind of like when your eye twitches, but picture like your entire side of your cheek and your face twitching uncontrollably for an extended period of time. It hurts really bad. And in the heart, heart issue kept going. I, I mean, when your heart rate just laying on the couch, doing nothing is in the one seventies, like something's wrong. Yes. I couldn't catch my breath. You know, it was, it was very uncomfortable. So I returned back to the ER for the second time. This time I saw a different doctor they repeated some labs, added in an additional few lab works, of course, still couldn't come up with anything. And this time they said, well, now we're going to throw some steroids at it. Mm. So here's a five day course of prednisone. I think you should call your primary care doctor tomorrow. Again, we don't want to keep you. Here's a bag of IV and go home. And at this time I said, you know, something's not right. I'm not getting any better and I'm getting mm -hmm. worse. I really don't you know, feel comfortable going home with no treatment. Right. They said, basically, it, it was almost like they were ushering me out because they didn't, they didn't want me there. 
So I followed up with my primary doctor. You know, we started making plans to start doing more testing into the cardiac realm. Um, I then went for a stress test of which I passed out on the treadmill and the person who was administrating it had to like pick me up off the floor. Um, I think I scared her. She was terrified (laughs) after that. I then got sent for a uh, tilt table test, which if anyone's ever had that done, it's horrible. Um, and they diagnosed me with something called POTS, which is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, meaning when you change postural positions, your heart rate changes more than 30 points. Um, they told me I had severe cardiac instability. They started me on a, uh, metoprolol heart medication. And we then moved into finding a, trying to find a neurologist. So this was about April um, and the first neurologist appointment was not until the end of July okay. outpatient. So, so you've alerted the hospitals that you have something major going on. It's pretty, it seems like it's kind of accepted that it's a result of post-inoculation adverse events. And not only are you not getting admitted, but for you to even see a specialist, you're talking about months out. You, you have to wait months to even see someone. Exactly. It was, it, I, I couldn't believe it was happening. It, it, my family, my friends, everyone's like, how are they not seeing you? Like, why, why do you have to wait five months to see a doctor? And it, it was like the most incredibly frustrating mm-hmm. process. I was, I was making videos online, you know, trying to call Moderna and say, Hey, what's going on? Like mm-hmm. something really bad is happening and no one is figuring this out. I I started reaching out and I found a support group online. And honestly, that was a game changer for me to find that out that there was more people in the world that were having the same things as me. And we weren't alone. And at that time, you know, March, April, you know, there was hundreds of people surfacing with these problems. You know, we, we had appointments with the NIH, they reviewed our cases, they ordered some labs. They were very well aware of us that we existed, but again, they were very specific in who they were willing to, you know, bring out. And, and it wasn't something that was afforded to everyone. It was, there was a promises of we'll work with your primary care doctor. Yet, um, after I had one virtual visit with the NIH, our follow-up visit was a no-show and I followed up with her subsequently every week for, you know, 10 weeks. And I never heard back from her ever again. Oh, which say that it, again. Say that, say that again. The you, NIH doctor yeah. that I saw, I had a virtual telehealth visit with her. She ordered right. very specific labs from the Mayo Clinic. Right. Once we got those labs, she wanted to follow up with my primary care doctor. And we had an appointment set for her, us to have this virtual meeting. Right. She never showed up and she never answered any one of my emails or voicemail messages ever again. Oh my God. So, so they just ghosted you. Correct. Completely ghosted me. And I'm not unique. This was happening to multiple people within the group, which was major, major red flags to me. What's alarming hearing this, Amanda, is that the NIH is clearly, which is in charge of clinical trials uh, as, as well is clearly being appraised that there are some major things going on, that this is not, re- this is real. This is not rare. You know, what's happening in terms of these injuries, significant injuries and adverse events. And not only are they not helping, not only are you getting delayed from even getting any entry level care, but when the NIH comes on the scene, they order some additional tests and then don't show up to a scheduled 
follow-up and then never get back to you after you're trying to get help. This is unconscionable. What's like happening? A light switch. It was like they just turned off the light switch and never showed up ever again. If I ignore you, you don't exist kind yeah. of thing, right? Yes. Okay. So um so there's another what happens, part. Yeah, what happens next? Yeah. So fast forward like a, about another week. And on May 2nd, I woke up um in the middle of the night and I was trying to flip myself over and grab mm -hmm. a drink of water. And I realized I could not move my arms. And it was a very odd feeling. It was almost like they didn't attach, they weren't attached to my body. So mm -hmm. I tried feeling moving my legs to flip myself over. Nothing. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to get my husband and and I realized at that point I was I had no feeling in my arms or legs whatsoever. I was terrified. My husband picked me up, brought me into the hospital again. And at this point it was, you know, we hours of the morning, we sat there mm -hmm. all day and I demanded, I need to see a neurologist. Now I am now completely paralyzed. I couldn't lift my arms. I couldn't put food in my mouth. I couldn't go to the bathroom. I was like a, like a, just a vegetable laying there. And I sat there all day and they tried everything to tell me that I had to wait for my outpatient appointment on July 29th. It's May 2nd. And I demanded that I get admitted. There was no way at this point, this was like my fifth visit. I was going to go home. And so finally at two in the morning, they said, okay, fine. We'll admit you. They brought me upstairs and I waited there three days. A neurologist finally came in to see me and I could tell immediately as soon as she walked in the door, she had her guard up. She didn't want to hear it. She told me that she had never seen anything like this ever before. And my symptoms, um, did not make sense to her. She did an exam. Um, she didn't believe me, put it that way. And at this point I started getting some feeling back in my arms. So that was going well, but my legs still had nothing. And just the zaps, I was getting these like electrical zaps throughout my whole body, just repeatedly. And I asked for medication. They would not give me any medication. She decided we finally agreed that I needed to have an MRI. And if that didn't show anything that they were going to do a spinal tap. So at that point, um, I had an MRI of my brain. I had a medical device in my body that kind of helped my bladder, um, from a previous, uh, issue from post-birth and I wound up having the spinal tap. So that came back abnormal. And I remember laying in the hospital, emailing her saying, you know, it'd been two days. I said, you know, I, this is coming back abnormal. Let's review the labs. She never showed up again. She wrote in my chart after she saw me bilateral limb weakness due to lack of effort. And it crushed my soul. Goodness. I mean, first of all, there's no compassion, no humanity, but what's even worse, there's no proof of that. No, you know, they haven't done any investigation. They haven't done any, any neurology tests on you at this point. They've done maybe what an MRI, which should have been done at the outset, right. Um, yeah. at, at the very least. And then they're just going to come. She's just going to come to a conclusion that, oh, it's, she's she's milking it. She can really move. She just doesn't want to move. She's trying to get some attention or something like that. Is that that's the doctor's conclusion? Yes, it, it, it you know, it's interesting because I I felt like that was at one of my lowest points while I was laying in that hospital, begging and begging and begging for treatment or, you know, someone to investigate this. That is when I met Steph. And I remember laying there crying, thinking, I, I want to do everything in my power to not let this happen to kids. And when Steph came into our mm -hmm. group that we had made, and I found out there was a kid injured, it put me to the lowest of lows. 
And I, I remember it, kids can't verbalize these things, right? And so if we're going to start vaccinating kids and there's going to be issues that they can't tell accurately, like that's when my my mama bear started to come out and I, I wasn't going to give up. That was the turning point for me where I'm not only fighting for myself, I'm fighting for the kids. And unfortunately, we got to see the product of that as they hid people like, you know, Maddie and myself, and they rolled the program out knowing that we existed. They, they full well knew we existed and they did it anyway. And so, you know, my son at this point, I was, you know, four months into my injury. He had now had to call 911 three times. Um, How old is your son? He's eight years old and he's traumatized. You know, he has seen his mom get carted off, you know, friends come and take me to the emergency room. He can't go because COVID and you can't have visitors. So he's now not sure. Is mom going to come back? Is my mom ever going to walk again? Is my mom going to live? I mean, he was having such bad nightmares at one point that, you know, he hasn't slept in his own room in over a year. He, he cannot physically be away from somebody because he's so afraid that his mom's going to die. And like, as a mom, like, that's the last thing you want for your kid. You want to provide for them and you want to be there for them. And when you can't take care of yourself and you're not even sure you're going to make it. I mean, I remember days where I was writing my own like obituary. This is something that is a massive toll. Keep going, love. I, I, oh my God. This is just yeah. taking a massive toll on not just the people who are injured. It's their families, my parents, right. an only child. My parents are helpless. They don't know what to do. They, don't, they can't provide anything. I mean, they had to come over. I had to have 24-hour care when I came home from the hospital because I couldn't even wipe my own butt. You know, I, I had to have somebody feed me. Um, you know, it just, it goes far beyond just the person injured. It, it's a bomb that goes off. And it, there's a blast radius and, and those are, those affect family and friends. And, you know, they all feel helpless because there's not a darn thing they can do to help us. And I, I just, I want people to understand that it, it's not just about the people that are injured. The families are at a, a tremendous loss and a tremendous amount of stress and anxiety over watching this happen, sitting back and not being able to do anything about it. This is, horrible you know while the whole public is being told this thing is safe and effective right while the public's being being lied to while the public's being coerced and while people like you people like stephanie people like ernesto ramirez are all you know being censored you can't get that i'm i'm still beside myself that mainstream media has been such dereliction of duty that your stories over and we're, we're past a year now are only getting out because of the great efforts that you're taking to get them out in help in hopes of protecting cha- uh, children and educating parents like hey there are very real risks here and i'm living proof that there are very real risks here uh i just it it's staggering amanda to hear your story and know that there was no plan in place for what happens when somebody is hurt. It's staggering for me to hear that they didn't even want to admit either you or Maddie 
to, to at least say, hey, we're going to observe and see what's going on. And we're going to start problem solving this from day one and figuring this out together. It's, it's mind boggling to me that the NIH would get itself involved and then not show up to a planned meeting and then not respond to you. What does it feel like to have trusted the government, trusted the marketing, trusted it, the, the gene therapy manufacturers? What does it feel like to have trusted them and been be so betrayed in this? What does that feel like for you? I feel so betrayed. You know, I, I, another friend of mine that, you know, is also vaccine injured. She refers to us as the soldiers left on the battlefield, Hmm. right? We were all just trying to do our part. I was the same way as Stephanie, where, you know, I received my vaccinations as a kid. I vaccinated my child. Mm -hmm. I, I, I believed what I thought was the real science. I, I clearly know now that that is a, is a lie. Mm -hmm. And it, it was very, very difficult to sit back and watch this program be rolled out and everyone told it was safe and effective when I was sitting here screaming and yelling, Mm -hmm. showing the proof that it wasn't safe and effective and no one bothered to care. No one bothered to investigate it. I mean, there was many times at my primary care doctor where we couldn't even, or my cardiologist, we couldn't even mention the word vaccine injury. I had I had to go back through my medical records and make sure that they had it in there listed as a vaccine injury because they weren't even allowed to write it. And so the, the amount of malpractice in in so many different ways is, is earth shattering to me. Did a doctor or nurse complete a vaccine adverse events uh, report on your behalf? not to my knowledge, I've, com- I've completed my own VARES report. And the day I reported it to VARES, I also called Moderna the first time I've called them three times. And each time I've called Moderna and explained exactly what's wrong with me and what I've been going through. They tell me that they're going to give my information to the safety department and that they would be in touch with me. I've never that, received a phone call. And they've never gotten in touch. With never. Them. Wow. Well, folks, Um, We're going to take another short break um, and uh, come back because we don't want to end on the notes of, of, of this, this, this is horrific. And I hope you're getting that sense. This is why we have to listen to these stories. Everything has been reduced to numbers. There are real people, real families that make up those numbers. And we need to know these stories. So I appreciate you staying on, but now when we come back from the break, we're going to get into solutions. We want to get into helping these people. If our government won't help, if these vaccine, excuse me, gene therapy manufacturers won't help while they're raking in billions in net profits, billions, then we have to help. We have to be able to help these, our fellow Americans in need. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. 
To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM Sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Okay, everybody, welcome back. Uh, powerful show, right? Now, we, we've, we've talked about the hardships. Let's talk about solutions. Uh, we're back with Stephanie DeGarry, mama bear to teenager injured, uh, uh, teenager Maddie DeGarry injured by the experimental COVID gene therapies uh, being marketed as vaccines. And of course, Amanda Damien, mama bear injured by the experimental COVID gene therapies as well. Um, now we were off air, Amanda, and you had a very interesting uh, story uh, that you were telling. Uh, can you share that briefly with the audience? Yeah, just following up on you know what happened with the NIH. I remember at the end of one of our, the call I had with them, you know, she was telling me uh, the doctor was telling me that she was getting really busy and that you know her schedule is really devoted right now to complete paralysis patients. And I was like, holy cow, there's people paralyzed. Like this is this was absolutely insane. And then she disappeared never to hear from her again. Right. Right. We're, we're too busy for you because we have these other people that we are saying that we're concerned about, but it's funny how these other people that they say they're concerned about didn't stop the program, didn't shut the program down. Right. I mean, yeah, they, and they, then they, three weeks later I was paralyzed. Right. Well, they want to keep saying that, you know, there's no safety signals to justify shutting down the program. It's like, there's more than enough safety signals to justify terminating this program. This program should have been shut down in January of 2021. It should have really never come into existence. Um, and uh, I've been railing on that for a while, but let's not make it about that. Uh, we got to get some help in here. So, uh, Stephanie, have you received any financial assistance from the federal government or Pfizer for Maddie and her medical expenses? No, we, they haven't even reached out to us. Ever. Wow. Uh, nothing. And no. uh, Amanda, same question. Ha have you received any financial assistance from the federal government or Moderna uh, for your medical expenses? Not a dime. Moderna has never even returned my phone calls. This is what we're up against, folks. You know, um, the government isn't helping uh, corporations profiting in record amounts uh, from the pain of our fellow Americans aren't helping, you know, you know, the question has to be, you know, what can us regular folks who actually do care, right? What can we do? Well, um, Amanda, I'm going to ask you that question, you know, you know, cause I know you've, you've been developing a really much larger community. It's not just you and Maddie, there's a big community of people who've been injured and run over and, and then betrayed and abandoned uh, here. Um, you know, how big is this community? Uh, of injured children and, and parents and and how can we us regular folks help um, be part of the solution for you all well actually you know it's sad we're growing at an alarming rate I mean the numbers keep growing we're well over uh, 13,000 uh, people in our immediate community right now and it, it grows every single day 
So one of the things that we've done is we've created react19.org, and that is a place for us to do our advocacy research. Um, there's many people working behind the scenes because the government is not providing assistance, and that takes a lot of money um, to fund. We also are going to be rolling out a program to help directly impact the injured and provide a financial care program to them. So if you'd like to support that, you can text the word REACT, R-E-A-C-T, to the number 50155. All right. Once again, everyone that's REACT, R-E-A-C-T, text that to 50155 and you'll get a response text that's going to tell you what you can do to donate. You can donate um, in a one-time donation. You can donate on a a monthly reoccurring donation. Every dollar goes to help people in need. And we really appreciate you donating and giving what you can, you know, especially in these, in these trying times. Um, Stephanie, uh, knowing what you know now, uh, what's important for parents to know when considering these experimental gene therapies for their children? You are not getting informed consent. And if anything happens to your child, you are on your own. The people that you think would help you won't. It took us over a year to find you to be able to help Maddie. It's, you're on your own. And it's not going to be easy. And you're going to feel guilt that you've never felt before. Um, Amanda, same question. Knowing what you know now, what's important for parents to know when considering these experiments for their children? Or themselves? Yeah, same exact thing. You know, there is no informed consent. The data is there now. The the symptoms and the reactions have been released. And mm-hmm. they are looking the other way. You are on your own. They do not provide any help whatsoever. This is a completely revealing uh, interview. And I want to thank you both uh, for your courage. I want to thank you both for your endurance. I want to thank you both for, in spite of all of the daily real obstacles you face, making a decision to fight for other people as well. Um, I think it speaks volumes of who both of you are. I think, like I've said many times, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time, I believe that both of you are, are heroes. You know, I believe both of you have taken something that is horrific and are doing everything you can to transform it into a life-saving effort for many people out there. And I'm honored and privileged to be able to uh, work with you both and, and uh, fight alongside you. Um, because this is this is what it's all about. And this is what I've been in from day one. Um, folks, you know, my final thoughts, uh, there are many ways to help. And I know some, I know times are tough. Uh, so there's many ways to help. Um, and one of the best ways potentially is to make sure that we don't allow these stories of the injured to go censored any longer that these stories need to be told. They need to be out there. We need to be talking about them. These are real people. They're not just numbers and various reports and identification numbers. These are real people enduring real injuries and getting no help from the people who hurt them and told them that these were safe and effective. We're better than this America and we're going to show it. Now, we talked about this, the um, react19.org, and you can go there to support the community. 
Maddie and Amanda are entering into a very specific healing process that is going to cost some money and they're going to need some help and we can help them. If you want to specifically donate to support Maddie and Amanda's healing process, you can go to gives, uh, give, send, go, excuse me. I misread that to give, send, go. And you can search for Maddie, M-A-D-D-I-E, Degary, D-E-G-A-R-A-Y. We'll also have these links, of course, in the show notes and everything. We'll make sure it's super simple for you to help. Anything you donate on behalf specifically of Maddie will go for Amanda as well. There's also a second option. We have to have multiple options now because you don't know which one's going to get shut down, right? Just for doing the right thing. Um, lifefunder.com. And that would be for Maddie, M-A-D-D-I-E. Again, we'll make sure those links are very uh, accessible for you. Um, I'm stunned right now, and I'm going to have to meditate on this and digest what I've heard, because these are two stories out of hundreds of thousands, if not millions in this country. And we have to do something about this. This is wrong. This is especially wrong if we know that this has happened and we do nothing about it. That makes us complicit. And I won't be complicit in the greatest crime that's ever taken place in human history. I hope you share that. And I hope you share the speaking of truth. I hope you share these stories. I hope you donate, give what you can, even if it's a dollar. Give what you can and let's do all we can to help the people that got run over, betrayed and abandoned by our government and by the companies that are raking in billions upon hundreds of billions of dollars in profit. Remember folks, our path to victory has four divine challenges for us all to number one, take no offense. Number two, speak truth. Number three, be selfless. And number four, remain humble. There's no victory laps here. May our creator shine his divine light down upon us, everyone we love and surround us in the protection of his warm embrace. Uh, next week we'll have um, very special guests on a forest and uh, Jose uh, who are going to talk to us about some aspects of healing, particularly with respect to these post-inoculation injuries that uh, may be a little bit unconventional, but very, very interesting. Until next week, I'm Dr. Henry Ely for Energetic Health Radio and the Energetic Health Institute, and I say to you, aloha and adios. <laughs>